Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. I don't know that I've ever actually said these words, but good Sunday morning to you. All Marine Radio here. I'm Mike McNamara, uh, joined by... Two of my friends, uh, Tim Lynch from McAllen, Texas. Tim, how are you? I'm doing just fine, Matt. How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. And Jeff Kenny uh, joins me from uh, the Eastern White House in Las Vegas. Jeff, how are you? Good. It's very pleasant here. Cool for Vegas. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's not a bad thing. Um, breaking news here this morning um, is... Uh, News of a rocket attack in uh, in Kabul. Uh, the rocket evidently landed outside of the uh, of the airport, and the United States, um, uh, you know, shot back. Right. So, can uh, can we explain uh, probably the most likely course of action, which is either a mortar or a rocket? Uh, the U.S. Um, detects it with counter-battery radar and and then shoots back. Uh, let's talk about that. Jeff, you want to kind of walk us walk everybody through yeah. what counter-battery radar is and, and how this kind of stuff works? Well, counter-battery radar is a, uh, a tool that our artillery units use to DF or, no, or direction find um, rockets and projectiles, indirect fire that are shot at us. So sometimes before the, the projectile even lands, it can be DF'd or direction found by the radar. And we have special uh, you know, artillery Marines whose job it is to operate that radar, usually led by warrant officers. And uh, they can find it, and then um, the data is just uh, transversed, and it becomes a mission for what we call counter-battery fire, which is where our, our indirect fire assets, either um, 81s or heavy mortars or, uh, or artillery, or now rockets, can return fire. Additionally, because of our, our ability with the drones and stuff now, that has been enhanced to a degree that uh, is, is very impressive. And I don't even know all the ins and outs of that because I've been out of the, the, uh, that business for a while. But I do remember this. When I was in Task Force Southwest in 2017, in the late 2017, we were getting, well, first of all, every week we got hit by about um, 10 to 20 rounds of indirect fire, usually 107 or 122 millimeter rockets that hit the uh, environs, what we all used to call Leatherneck down there in Helmand Province. And our little camp was within what used to be Leatherneck called Shorab. It never hit actually in Shorab, but it always hit within uh, Leatherneck. And we would DF it and then shoot it back at it with artillery. We received the Marine Corps High Mars rockets, and uh, they uh, they did this uh, they they did a, a rocket attack, and the uh, our DF capability was enhanced. And then we shot back with HIMARS, and it was like the hammer of Thor. I mean, you guys all know what HIMARS sounds like when it's going out. Oh, my God. It's got to be even more impressive coming in. It's like, uh, for, for those people who don't know, it's a massive um, 
deafening rocket fire coming off a uh, you know a portable a vehicle. It's usually about anywhere from uh, six to ten or twelve uh, rockets going off in a volley, and we didn't get hit again for a long time. Yeah, so, I, I did. I did a lot of it both in Fallujah uh, in 2006, I, and then in Helmand in 2010-11, and 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 the speed that you can respond is is yeah. amazing, and so. This, you know, the the radar shoots a horizontal beam across wherever it's aimed at, and and mm-hmm. and 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 that airport, given that this threat, and the fragility of aircraft and the concentration of people, will have a bunch of it. Okay, and um and so when when they shoot around, it goes up, right, and it breaks the radar beam. That that grid that it plots is called the poo, the point of origin, and then it goes up. Right, and then it comes down. It breaks the beam a second time. That's called the poi, the point of impact. That thing you get time of flight normally less than thirty seconds. Right, you get that. And now, if they've set this thing up and it's not like um, like a rocket, you can fire electrically. And a lot of times they they would interact. They would use like the timer for a dryer. They'd go set the son of a bitch up. You know, there'd be six rockets on on rails, and they would they would they would use the dryer. The, the timer for a dryer attached to a battery, and then they would get in a truck and they would get the fuck out of there. Well, if these guys aren't smart enough to do that, and they're actually firing the weapons, right? They've got twenty to thirty seconds, right? As soon as that grid, you know, you get an alert from the radar that says, you know, shot, right? And then that goes out, and everybody's linked on in these ch- in chat, like it's it's like it's like your chat window from Facebook. With right. all these people in it, and all of a sudden you get this automatic entry shot exclamation mark in red, right? And it gives it gives the approximate grid of the point of origin, and then we so get most. The, uh, so the, what you're saying, Mac, with that thing, then most of the time between them hitting us and us hitting them is is our actual time of flight of our projectile. Exactly, and 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 I would I would think there. You have all kinds of drones over that airport with cameras, but you have shooters designed specifically, right, to retaliate against this. So as soon as you get the point of impact and then you get the grid, right, and you're going to get like a a 12-digit grid coordinate, right, where this thing happened. You have – and all of a sudden some operator, you know, copy – just highlights it, copies – Paste it in the drone operator's window. The drone operator takes it, hits enter, right? The camera slews to that. So within 45 seconds, you're looking at the point of origin. And if they're there, right, you know, then if you have a shooter up, it's fire. I mean, so you're talking maybe, you know, again, in, in a concentrated place like this, there's a rocket coming off a rail within 120 seconds of this happening. Yeah. That's how fast it happens. And that's and, the only game in town now. Right. What and that is that. And so that's us preserving how we get the fuck out of town. And and let me tell you, when we went to Ramadi in 2004, General Madison made some comments about the 82nd Airborne um, shooting counter-battery radar fire. And so we, I was on the Advon with actually Lieutenant Colonel Furness. So we go there and, we're, and, you know, and we meet the ops guys for the 82nd Airborne. And I'll tell you what, they were pro, they were professionals, man. West, yeah. A bunch of them were West Point guys. They had just come from Afghanistan. They left Afghanistan and come to um, Iraq. And, and, and so it was really interesting getting to know them. I was very impressed by them. And so, and so we're at lunch one day, and one of them says, hey, why is your CG bagging on us about counter-battery radar? And, you know, 
and he's and we said, well, you know, he he believes, and they're like, well, let's just let we don't expect to hit him, but before we started doing that, we were getting six rounds at a time, then they'd bubble up, which is how you level a mortar, and then they'd shoot another six at us, so we know we're not going to hit him. We're just trying to make a move so we don't take eighteen to twenty rounds. We only take six, and we were yeah. sitting there and we're like, yeah, I don't really think he understands that. And then one of them looked at him as and said, well, he's gonna. Right? Yeah. He's going to. And guess what we started shooting within a month of being there? Counter battery. Counter battery fires. I don't need some smart guy from Quantico to tell me about counter battery fires. <laughs> no, so, th- so that's what I would, not knowing anything, um, I would imagine. And let me tell you, I would think if you're at that airfield, you're anticipating this, rockets and mortars, right? And and you've been you've been primed, you know, for these shirt, first shots to let them know that, that we ain't having it, right? That we're going to kill you. So, anyway, Timmy? The, the first time I dealt with rockets was at the Baghdad Embassy on Thanksgiving Day, the first attack they ever uh, made on at that time, in, in that time period. And the very first rocket was the most deadly strike of the entire the entire year. And I was standing maybe 50 yards away. I, I got knocked to the ground and got up, and I'm looking for a parachute because the only thing it sounded like to me was a— a plane crashing. That's how loud. That's just a 122. Those are rather small compared to ours. But the thing is, we've been we have this kind of a fast reaction capability. Yet for 20 years, they're still selling, showing us with rockets, and it's pretty safe to assume it was a remote detonation off of a dirt ramp, which they typically do. I I had been rocketed multiple times in Afghanistan. Never had one land remotely close to what they were shooting at. That's an aerial weapon even more so with the Afghans. So just, just launching a rocket's not that big a deal. I'm sure they are, if, if they got caught in the response, it's because they're stupid. That's uh, Well, what's, what's, I, what's problematic, though, in this case is that they're using an area weapon against an area target, which is that airfield. That's a good point. Right? Yeah, yeah, you and can, so it's, it's, what's, inside it, what's inside it isn't hardened, right? The aircraft are soft. And all you, you know, again— you're hoping if you shoot enough of them, you're hoping that you hit something or you hit somebody, so you you make news because that's what this is all about. It's about making news in the in in the Western media, showing us that showing people that we're humiliating the United States of America as they limp out of this thing, and that's what that's what this is about. That's what this is about. Absolutely, and and they were trying for a long time to get one into the Jalalabad airfield, and they kept on shooting long, hitting the the slums. And I think they stopped shooting because they were just it was they were enraging the population too much. They're not very good with rockets. Iraqis were much better right. for right. for what for whatever that's worth. Okay. But and so uh, again, interesting bit of news. yeah, breaking news this morning. You probably heard that, and and you know you're seeing headlines about the United States is launching some retaliation. Well, you know if if this plays out true to form as it has historically, that's what you're looking at. And what I would anticipate, you're going to see a, a bunch more of it. Um, here in the not too distant future as you know they continue well if and again and and we're going to talk about this but if the taliban sees that they need to tighten up their shit because the economic fallout from this after the united states gets everybody out and now the united states decides that we're going to lay the wood to you economically it's not going to be good for them you know it's not going to be good for them and so um Supposing, you know, that um, that they're now trying harder at those checkpoints to keep people away, 
so that they don't have another incident that pisses the United States off so the United States fucks them over economically, which is where they're extremely vulnerable, um, then this weapon becomes, you know, the weapon, really the weapon of choice and that you would expect to see to see more of it. And so, I, I, in my opinion, you know, um, but again, it's pretty desperate. It's not accurate. And uh, and if that's where they're at now, then that means they don't have a whole lot. And we keep our fingers crossed as we watch this. But let me do the general situation. Timmy will do the update. We'll start talking, um, you know, operations uh, that are ongoing this morning at Kabul International Airport. And then we'll get to some other stuff. Um, so just uh, general situation stuff. Um, news in the last 24 hours. Al Jazeera headlines. Uh, quote, don't go near the airport. Major Taliban warn of new major attack. Uh, Subheadlines: Biden promises more strikes against ISIL affiliate in Afghanistan. Uh, n- next headline: Does Afghanistan mark the end of the American empire? Next headline: On Afghanistan, Pakistan walks a tightrope of optimism and caution. Next headline: Big headline, top of next column is this: Taliban takeover a body blow to Indian interest in Afghanistan, um, which is something that we'll talk about here with, with Tim and Jeff here in a few minutes. Um, then from uh, Tolo, which is the Afghan um, news website, uh, Taliban, discussions continue on inclusive government. That's been a consistent headline throughout. Um, Pakistan's backing of Taliban Hold on, let me just pull this up. Of Taliban obscured NATO's bid for peace. Uh, another headline, ANSEF, and that's Afghan National Security Force, right? Unable to provide security for for the whole country. And that's according to another report. Um, and then the Masood story is still in the news. It's still the top story on their list of stories. Masood supporters reject Taliban claim of entering the Panjshir province or the Panjshir region, right? Next headline, U.S. in no rush to recognize the Taliban, according to the to Jen Psaki. <laughs> um, let's see. <clears throat> from, uh, from American news headlines, right? Afghanistan, uh, Biden is, the President of the United States was headed to Dover this morning uh, for the return uh, of the remains of American service members killed earlier this week. Um, Next headline, U.S. reports credible new threat at the airport as evacuations wind down. Um, The U.K. ambassador has returned home as the last U.K. troops have left Afghanistan. Um, Some Afghans report that enemies of the Taliban have begun to disappear. And uh, Turkey and Qatar and the G7 are going to discuss the future of Kabul of the Kabul International Airport. Um, a few Wall Street Journal headlines: uh, Evacuation in in Kabul are winding down as the Afghan capital is on high alert. Uh, Americans are broadly supportive of withdrawing from Afghanistan, but are divided on how to hold the president responsible for the messy exit. The Taliban moved to stop cultivating opium, causing raw opium prices to soar across Afghanistan. Um, 
The President of the United States warns that there's another Afghan attack is highly likely, and the U.S. begins final stages of the Afghan pullout. Uh, a few other... Um, so the last number I saw relative to evacuees is, is 112,000, and that was about 24 hours ago. I would imagine that number will be updated here within the next hour. Um, I, uh, CENTCOM News, final U.K. flights depart HKIA. Uh, Department of State, 300 U.S. citizens with passports are seeking to leave. Still can't, American citizens with passports still can't get to the airport. Um, the U.S., uh, again yesterday, put out a warning for American citizens to leave the gates surrounding the airport. And then uh, U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced all remaining soldiers, diplomats, and civil servants have now left Afghanistan. And with that, Timmy, I will turn it over to you for the for the intel dump. Okay, we'll uh, start as we normally do with the greater Afghanistan and surrounding areas, Torkham and Spinboldak, the gates that uh, lead to Pakistan, remain closed to refugee and commercial traffic. Apparently, there are people moving in through those areas, but they would be passport holders, and we don't know the nature of what they're doing. Zaranj is the only international um, um, crossing point that remains open, but as we've related earlier, it's a very difficult place to get to as you have to surmount a, a large swath of the Desert of Death, and uh, it's, it's just not an easy place to get to. So and the other news from the surrounding area is that the, this truce between the Northern Alliance, the various factions in the West and the Southwest appears to be holding. There is no reported fighting of, of note that I can detect in any of the international national news. There was a retaliation strike, as, as described in Jalalabad, when they uh, fired an R9, R9 X-ray Hellfire missile. That's the flying Ginja knife that took out Soleimani. Same type of weapon. There are pressure uh, pictures in the press of a little tuk-tuk motor trike that they reportedly targeted next to a rather sizable hole with a lot of shrapnel having shredded that thing. But uh, So it looks like it might have worked, although there weren't any remains in the pictures and it didn't appear to be a lot of blood around. But who knows? This, these things are pretty technical. So, um, again, they uh, identified them as ISIS facilitators. Uh, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I, uh, let's take them at the word. There you go. We got some ISIS facilitators. In greater Kabul, all eyes continue to focus on the airport. And we've got, again, uh, Congress uh, uh, people getting on the Twitter and laying out stories about Americans with American passports being denied access as well as uh, Ronnie Jackson from Texas Republican reports that his team has been told that the people with passports are being told to come back with large sums of money. Um, that may or may not uh, confirm the story that I heard uh, regarding money being demanded of people getting green lines, but but I don't find that, that report credible because the mechanics of transferring that much money, the Marines won't miss that. You can't palm $10,000. That's a big wad. So I don't believe that story for a heartbeat. It appears the Taliban are shaking them down. So there goes their, uh, if the Taliban are shaking them down, that, that kind of goes contrary to their perceived or their self-perception of themselves as being honest and for the people. It seems to be uh, rather interesting. Going to focusing more on the airport, I've got a picture of a line from uh, of Afghans in a nice orderly line, maybe 30 of them, outside the gates to the main civilian terminal 
I suspect that's all the that's that's about the number of people that are getting in. Um, obviously, our our throughput is down significantly. The focus is on retrograde operations of the force that's that's in there. Uh, Afghan SIV P2 applicants continue with to communicate with various people in what I've collectively collectively called Operation Dumkirk. There are lots of media stories about various uh, uh, folks that have gotten or navigated their Afghans to safe harbor. You please keep in mind that this Operation Dumkirk, we're not all communicating with each other. This is a massive a massive operation for people around the world that are not connected there. Everybody's got their own little thing going on. And we kind of, we kind of coordinate uh, uh, at some level when somebody has uh, a, a valuable place to move. And I'm talking about like, like think tank peoples. I, I, I am in direct communication with somebody who's a very senior university leader who you would think would be talking to state department, but for some reason is talking to me. It's very bizarre how, much activity is going on from the civilian non-official sectors and uh, in, 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 uh, injecting directly into Afghanistan. And I will say it again, all these people have raised considerable amounts of money. Nobody I know needs money to be solicited from strangers. If you want to donate, the way to go is no one left behind. That is the one totally legit uh, NGO that's given that all that money to the Afghans, and they are a tremendous asset who have, in fact, helped us uh, uh, as we've gotten navigated our guys out of the way. And I would I would add about this. Uh, I've got reports of several Americans who are inside the country. I shared a, a picture with with you guys three days ago of what was purported to be an American SF guy who had just brought his people into the gate. It was hard to tell whether that was an American or not because his head was shaved. I've never known an Afghan to shave his head, though. And we don't know if, we don't know who that guy was, but he was. I was told he was an American. There's more people like that, and there's going to continue to be dramatic stories of some of these uh, uh, rescue operations. And it's uh, it's it's interesting, but tragic because we shouldn't be having to do this. And I will let leave it at that. All right. Um, outside Afghanistan, relative to operations, um, we talked about this yesterday. That pipeline stabilized. You're seeing uh, refugees or you know, people that we ev- evacuees um, uh, moving around the country. Um, I think we we did a little bit of a story yesterday where a guy, you know, he was saying, hey, we're headed to Italy and uh, from Afghanistan with his uh, wife and four kids. And so um, so that seems that pipeline seems to be flowing smooth. You're not seeing stories about um, about people being left on planes for eight hours on a tarmac because people weren't ready to receive them or that sanitary conditions aren't. Uh, in terms of CENTCOM, um, uh, our NATO partners are, have all left, right? So it's only us at that airport, and the extract of U.S. forces is now ongoing. Uh, three, around Kabul International Airport, I already talked about the Allies have gone, on track to depart by August 31st. And again, um, the State Department is saying that we will evacuate Americans until the last um until the last flights, um, and that is ongoing. Uh, there is no information, though, about which gates are open and which gates are closed. There's various reporting on gates being welded shut and stuff like that, but I've not seen any reporting that talks about which ones and, and which gates to go to. Um, DAP is reporting this in the last 10 minutes. The Taliban said that a U.S. airstrike targeted a suicide bomber 
in a vehicle on Sunday who wanted to attack the Kabul International Airport amid the American military's evacuation there. There are a few initial details about the incident, as well as a rocket that struck a neighborhood just northwest of the airport, killing a child. The two strikes initially appeared to be separate incidents, though information on both remains scarce. The attack comes as as the United States attempts to wind down a historic airlift that saw tens of thousands evacuated. Um, So there there isn't any additional information other than the Taliban saying that the United States conducted an airstrike on a suicide bomber. Now, um, that's interesting. Uh, not sure if it's true or not. But, um, again, the, our major form of intel, you know, right now is listening. And we're pretty good at that. And if we can track your phone and we know who you are, we, we will kill you. Um, and uh, I've seen some pretty impressive shots in my life. Uh, one in Afghanistan, car going, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour, uh, F-18 with laser-guided bomb, and fucking hit the engine block of this thing going 50 miles an hour. It was unbelievable. And uh, and then what happened was we thought we were, you know, we thought we were whacking one bad guy who was a high-value target. Turns out there was four of them in the car. And the way we found out was, the cell phone spectrum lit up in Helmand Province. Right. Right? And the little, like, guys who listened came running in, sweating on fire, right? They were so excited. And you stop and you look like, what's going on? You're like, uh, sir, could you come back here? I'm like, yeah. And you go in their little room and it's like, we think that there was multiple HVTs, high-value target, in that vehicle. And I, And you're like, the one that that F-18 just hit in a mir- in the miracle shot? Because this car was hauling ass through the desert. And they're like, yeah. yeah. You know, how do you know? And he's like, every cell phone in the region is on fire right now. I'm like, oh, that's good. That's a good thing. So that's normally how, I mean, we're pretty good at this. All right. Um, Jeff, Tim, any comments about either the intel part, the ops part of, of what's going on today? Well, based on what Tim said and what you said, I think this evacuation is over with. And right now they're already starting to pull out more and more uh, security guys, Marines, soldiers, uh, probably than uh, they are evacuees. And uh, this thing will be done by tomorrow probably. I think they've already – I mean uh, the fact that the Taliban um, aren't letting people come for the – in the twisted way this thing has gone, they might have been asked to do that by the by – the, uh, you know, by the folks in there, by uh, CENTCOM. That'd be horrid, but, you know, who knows now? Right. It's kind of like through the looking glass. Right. So um, and, uh, if that's the case, then they can say, well, you know, there's not that many people coming now. I'm not saying the guys from, uh, you know, the, the Marine security guys or anything like that from uh, Special Purpose MAGTAF or the MU or whoever the heck is in there with the 82nd, but, uh, you know, the the overarching thing, they might, they're, they're always bragging about how, great they get along with the Taliban maybe they're telling the Taliban we can't take we're not taking anymore and then uh so I think what you're going to see is uh you're going to see what Tim was saying about the uh no you know no one left behind thing that's going to expand we're going to basically have an ongoing operation similar to the uh the the things that were pursued during the cold war to get across the iron curtain either through Yugoslavia or uh you know through the uh east German uh border or through Czechoslovakia, you know, anything to get out. 
And so uh, I think you're going to start seeing that. Got it. The, um, let me tell you, and again, the thing that you have to understand, and I don't care whether we're talking about Iraq or Afghanistan or what, um, you offer enough money, you, you, you can go anywhere you want to. Right. So, you know, the other day we were talking about the Taliban checkpoints and the fact that they weren't, you know, very thorough. And that's all probably fact. But even if you say, but, oh, no, they were thorough. They they made everybody, you know, pull up their man dress and, and all the rest of this shit we, we do when we're doing this stuff. You know, if that was the case, all you got to do is find a security guard in one of the adjacent, you know, compounds that will let you traffic, you know, move stuff through it. Right. Guns you know, vests and shit, pay him whatever he wants, make him a rich man, and, and your shit's in because that's the way it works. And so getting out of the country, I would see, I would, I would think would be very much the same, same operation. If you have enough money and you begin to make contact, they will get you out of the country, be it to Iran, be it through Pakistan or some way, you know, and that will turn out. It's interesting, you know, there's headlines, President Macron and, and, uh, and Chancellor Merkel, you know, are talking about some form of um, relationship with the Taliban that keeps some kind of air bridge open for their citizens, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, to me, that sounds, you know, look, if you have to go through the Taliban, I don't know too many Afghans that are willing to run that gauntlet. And so I, I, I don't I don't understand how that works. I want to I want to talk about the retrograde aspect of this, Jeff, um, you know. Obviously, whenever you switch phases in these things, and we talked about, you know, the booming in phase, phase two is is the evacuation phase where you have the airport secured, and now you're doing what we do best, right, which is big industrial movements, right? And, and I mean, and this is, you know, this is, that part of it is, is, is always impressive to watch. And, uh, and now we transition, or we have transitioned into another dangerous part, which is, is drawing down the force and then and then collapsing the force and getting the hell out. You want to talk about the, the dangers of that part of it, Jeff? Yeah, well, um, first of all, they're vulnerable to, and as we've seen it today, indirect fire. Uh, someone who wants to look good by making us look bad, and that's the Taliban and anybody who's in Afghanistan right now for information operations purposes that will be repeating the press, that's the main danger of people messing with this thing now. Um, the uh, the other thing is where all these people are going. Like uh, anybody who got hurt during the big blast that happened pretty much got flown to Germany if they needed ambul- ambulatory care. So uh, we know that. You know, they're probably Ramstein or Rhein Mine. And, uh, and, and that's good because the Germany has uh, always had, you know, good hospital facilities there at Landstuhl, which is right close to those air bases. Right. And uh, we use them, to use the hell out of them. That's how where I went after I got wounded, you know, yeah. in Iraq and for Afghanistan, both. So that still exists. Right. But but, but I want I, I want to focus on on the airport itself and and, and your experience right in 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 Africa as, as you begin to draw this down. What what are the major challenges at at the airport itself? Well. To be fair, I never evacuated anybody from an airport. I always did it from inside the embassy compound. We did one spot in Liberia for both 1990 and 1996. And uh, we we had a tremendous throughput of people fast, you know, over 2,000 people in a week. 
and that's a lot for a small little embassy like that. That little embassy was about the size of a little bit bigger than the tea garden, for Christ's sake, at Quantico. For those people who don't know, it's just a little outside area, you know, in the uh, outside the uh, the base school so, building. So give yeah, give them some dimensions. Were what fifty meters by fifty meters? It's small. Bigger than that. Bigger than that. I'd say three hundred by uh, by one hundred fifty. Okay. But it was like inside. It was like a garden. Like inside that compound, with you know little walkways and little benches and trees and stuff, and in the back there was a cleared area for basketball. It was nothing ever meant to have helicopters go in there. And the Marine security guards cut down the, uh, you know, the basketball posts, and we used that for an LZ, and it was not very big. Right. You could right. land a fifty-three in there, but so, one at but a time. Again, yeah. So what I want to get to is as you as you shrunk as you shrank as yeah. you reduced your own footprint there. And and then and then ultimately the last guys get on. What what are the major challenges in this part of this operation in terms of desperation from the people outside? They're desperate to get out uh, in our situation, and uh, the, the, especially the Liberians. And we just weren't taking Liberians if they weren't, you know, employed by the embassy. And uh, even if they were, they're pretty hard hearted. The State Department there. So the the look they get. Some of them would come you know, 50, 60 miles in the back, you know, the back of Liberia, the, you know, the back jungle there, they get to the, um, to the embassy and yet turned away. But we took a lot of Lebanese out of, uh, it's amazing. Lebanese, we took French people out, took uh, Brits, the Brits are everywhere, by the way. And uh, we took, uh, you know, we took Americans that weren't registered with the embassy. We took, uh, Anybody like that, when there was a doubt about third country national, we take them out. Got it. Now here, this situation seems to be different. I mean, uh, I think the Taliban's not letting people, even if they got U.S. passports, get to the embassy now. So a lot of that desperation, I think, is is not being uh, – it was obviously seen before. We saw the pictures. It facilitated the huge casualties for those blasts, the fact that people had crowded and swarmed the place. Okay, but, but, but it seems that, like that's been remedied. Right, at least yeah. at least in the open source I see. So yeah. from 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 inside, you know, the airport, right? Your biggest unit, is direct, unit, indirect fire, man. Yeah. So so indirect fire here um, is the biggest thing. And so what's going on inside? So units have been identified. A sequence has been established. You're yeah. going to go from your security operation. You're going to give that up to somebody else. You're going to move yep. to a staging area. From the staging area, you're going to get on a C-17. And you're going to get the hell out. And that's and what that's what's going place, on in there so today. Yeah, it's a small place. So normal distances we would have to avoid, uh, you know, to avoid overcrowding. You know, that would lead to casualties. Right. You know, by uh, by enemy fire are, are going to have to be amended because just not the room. It's just enclosed. It's just too small in there. So uh, until they start getting enough people out, and then the danger is, when you get to a certain point, the 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 airport could be overrun if they were so inclined because there's a minimum of security in there, and also it's very tempting for a tal. I mean, we were dropping bombs and shooting Taliban people for 20 years, so. It's got to be tempting for them to take shots at these planes coming in and out, especially going out. So uh, I think that's another danger, too, you know, either uh, – I mean, 
small arms fire. You can bet they're probably flashing their uh, their lasers into the uh, you know into the cockpits of these things. Uh, all that's you know silly shit that people do. And uh, I think you might see a, a volley of RPG fire. I mean that's you know that's another tactic that we know works. You know, and so uh, it doesn't have to be so, perfect. So so let's talk. So let's like talk. Away. So let's talk about that. Um, so while we have the security and we own the runway. Uh, if we kind of war game this, right? C-17s going in and out, KC-130s, whatever other, you know, you know, yeah. military platforms. Because the civilian aircraft aren't doing this in this part of the operation. It's all military, right? So, so as we shrink the perimeter, the threat goes higher. Okay, yeah. the last guys go out in helicopters. Um, they have to. Okay, have so to. let's talk about that. So the last guys that that go out, the the final security echelon it draws down to x number of people and that x number of people are all going out on one lift right and we're going to collapse this thing and then we're going to have this probably a qrf in the air orbiting we're going to have a shit ton of aviation stuff so that anybody fucks with them they get smoked um let's talk about that kind of stuff so big big air cap and probably a 47 or 53 would be that bird you're talking about that pulls the last people out because they're fast, they're powerful, and they're refuelable. Refuelable, I mean, re- refuelable, refuelable. Chill re- out. I'm just saying. Right, yeah. refuelable. It, when you say refuelable, you mean in the air. Yes. yes. Right. So it, yes. Like, like the Osprey is. So yeah. Right. Got it. Right. Got it. And yep. they and they could very well use Ospreys too. That would be kind of cool, but they're a little bit slowed in the transition. And the thing 20, is, only twenty it, people you can put on there at a time. So yeah. and that's another limitation. Good point, Jeff. But the thing is, no matter how they're going to come out of there, I I will assume, and I'm pretty confident when I say this, there's going to be jet aircraft, low and loud, oh, reminding yeah. everybody. Just it, it's it's going to be like a thunderdome because it's inside of a bowl. They'll be inside that bowl, circling, making lots of noise, and everybody's going to know. You, you know, everybody doesn't know what's going to happen if somebody tries to take a pot shot at the last birds going out. And that's a good point. Like you were asking about Liberia, Mac. We had fixed wing flying in there. Uh, it always calmed the um, the small arms fire down. Just the thunder, you know, that where you can't even talk to anybody next to you because of the thunder of those uh, harriers and shit flying overhead, you know? Well, and let me tell you, um, one of the things that, that – that our aviation guys will do for you is, and, and they did this for us. And we had two great air officers in Afghanistan, uh, Richie Lane and, and, and Kurt Knowles. And, and, uh, they would fly what's called a show of force, right. Yeah, exactly. in, in which right. they would, they would draw, I mean, and carrier pilots, Drop. right. Marine and, and yeah. Navy, man, they will get down on the deck for you and they will go over. And, and, and on the bad guy side, they assume, you know, where they are. And and we and we wouldn't, and we so I mean if we knew where we they were we we would have killed them right with a piece of ordnance but we didn't so what we tried to do is scare the shit out of them, and the engines of uh, a jet aircraft will absolutely do that and so the next question the last <laughs> last last guys go out at night yeah sure I, it, it it would be crazy if they don't and keep in mind they're a day they're thirteen and a half hours ahead of us so that's. That's going to be happening. That could be happening while we're talking. And they try to make it look like there's still people in there when there isn't. Right. So, you know, yeah, after the last guys are out, there may be runs going, you know, adjacent that uh, just like we do dummy landings. And exactly, recon- dummy landings, yeah. 
they do uh, dummy landings there to, to confuse, you know, anybody who's out there thinking about coming in rapidly, confuse them about what forces are left, if any, you know. All right. So the last elements we would expect to go out in some, whether it be Osprey, Chinook, or some combination of the two, those 53. those aircraft would be able to be refueled in the air. Uh, so that would that would get everybody out. And then um, we would expect it to be done at night. And and the biggest, really, if the Taliban, you know, can, can continue to control access, then the, the major threat um, is indirect fire, rockets, mortars um, um, to that. And then any kind of, you know, uh, small arms fire against uh, against aircraft is, is certainly still a huge problem. But so far, you haven't seen a whole lot of reporting on that, and right. uh, and and that continues to be, you know, General McKenzie talked about it the other day. He said, "Look, to our knowledge, although they've tried to acquire, we don't have any indication that they have any kind of man portable air defense rocket that they they can shoot." But again, that's always a great, um, that's always a great cause for concern, um, and uh, when when you're doing these kind of things because those aircraft are helpless. No, they're not helpless. But as, as Timmy just talked about the Osprey, the Osprey, everybody knows it, right? So it's great in flight, right? But when it transitions and it's acting like a helicopter, it's like a fat fucking duck, man. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and yeah, a helicopter, slow. when you see those things, they can lift off. They go nose down at about 15 feet off the deck, and they go. I mean, and and they're they're at fifty feet off the ground, and they're, and they're hauling ass. And Osprey doesn't work like that, you know. It doesn't trend. It doesn't go like that. And so, um, yeah, a little bit more vulnerable. And so that, that always, you know, might be the nighttime one. The uh, right. That's that's why night they, helps, right? I mean, we we so they do they put some pyrotechnics up there to uh, blind any kind of uh, night vision the enemy might have, and then. Uh, the Ospreys take off. They go to that transition. But once they hit that transition, boom. Right. It's like, you know, it's. <laughs> they go fast. Either, yeah. yeah. No. No, that's, now, that's, it, that's it's, it's great. It's interesting yeah. where that. I'm sorry, Mac. No, it's no. interesting where that rocket landed because back when the Taliban and the Northern Alliance were fighting for Kabul, the guy who was rocketing Kabul was Hekmadiar. He would, he was outside Jalalabad in that little desert area where that Gambier training area is launching volleys of rockets for a year. But Hekmadiar is now on the Afghan government side. And so that might be one of the reasons why you only see a rocket or or because uh, even the Taliban knows that the rockets are more effective when they're fired as an area weapon in multiple volleys. Well, I, so I, we I, haven't I, seen I, that. Well, like the Northern Alliance. That kind of I'm, that kind of brings us to, you know, Tim, I, I, I forwarded you a, an article about the economics that, right. that Afghanistan is going to face. And I want to talk about that because. You know, that may, in fact, impact some of the stuff you're seeing and some of the behavior of the Taliban, because in short order, right, they're going to have a very, very difficult situation uh, on on their hands. What uh, I think it's what over 60 percent of the population is under the age of 25 or 26 or something like that, which means they have never, ever lived under Taliban control. Right. Except that they lived out in an area that the Taliban has controlled for low these 20 years and and they've grown up. In, in a in, in a very we- in a, in a very Western influence culture, they've grown up but with women Kabul. having yeah they they in the large cities of Kabul, Kandahar, Herat, Jalalabad. Jalalabad. You know, it has been very influenced by 
Western ideas, cell phones, the role of women, and things like that. And that's that's over 50% of the population. That genie is not going to go willingly back into the bottle. And the, and the, the Taliban does not have the ass, which means uh, the, the number of forces, right, to, right, to um, inflict their will right, on the population in a way that doesn't leave gaps that allow, I mean, they'll essentially play whack-a-mole. And then on, so there's, there's that piece, right? The, the, the next piece is the economic piece. They, as, as Tim mentioned the other day um, about the ATMs, the hard currency issues, and the World Bank has said, yeah, we don't even know what this Taliban thing is, and so all bets are off. Their reserves are in a bank in, New York, in, in the state of New York, which means they can't touch them. And so in short order, and, and, and Timmy's going to talk about here the economics of it, pretty interesting. They're going to find themselves in a pretty significant shit sandwich in a very, very difficult spot. So, Timmy, you want to talk about economics here? Well, yeah, the uh, the impact is now. In Kabul, there's been no removing of refuse and trash. You've got uh, – they don't have a <laughs> – they don't have sewers per se in Kabul. They have night night soil vaults that are that are that are – cleaned out manually and uh those trucks the 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 ship pumper trucks all those things are not running right now so in kabul although it's starting to cool temperature wise it's still the summer and you're going to have a breakout with as predictable as rain you're going to have a breakout of of uh of fecal born diseases your typhoids your yellow fevers that kind of crap there so that's that's that is now what has what Afghanistan has survived on in the past has been mostly foreign aid with with vigorous trading between Pakistan and Iran of foodstuffs and 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 other uh, uh, commodities. All that is is suspended with the exception of the Iranian gas, and so you've got no money moving. Um, the the Biden administration stopped sending pallets of cash two weeks before the fall of the government out of a, an abundance of caution. So so they've got no cash. Um, even remittances now cannot be cash because there's no Afghanis, which is the monetary uh, term there, Afghani. There's no Afghanis in the Western Union offices. And there's a Western Union office in every damn town in Afghanistan. That's one of those weird things that you see when you walk around. It's like, whoa, Western Union. So they've got some real issues. And then on top of that comes the announcement that they're going to ban the production of poppies which drove the uh, dry opium price up uh, uh, 400% in a day. So, and most Afghans have a considerable amount of dry opium laying around for a rainy day. It's like keeping cash around. So that's interesting. So now they're banning opium and the currency, the, the, the currency of the day that's going to be tradable will be dry opium. <laughs> that's, that's one of those unintended consequences. But the, the Af, there's no money coming in. There's a gigantic population that is three times what it was when the Taliban were in control. Most of them are, are, are younger. They've got certain expectations about what life should be and being whipped by some uh, um, um, uh, illiterate and illumerate uh, mullah is not on that list. So, And most importantly, most importantly, the Afghan citizen, citizen is an armed citizen. They all have guns. A lot of guns. Taliban's got problems because they're not going to be able to go around whipping people and getting compliance by issuing corporal punishment to an armed population. The Afghans won't tolerate. So they've got huge, huge issues, which sort of argues for that 
Taliban 2.0 you're seeing, that, that they're trying to work with people, that they're working with the Northern Alliance, that they're working with the various ministers who weren't cowards and fled the country. Maybe, just maybe, just maybe, the Taliban that we saw at the Nangarhar University is the face of the new Taliban. I don't know. But that's the only thing we can hope for, because everything else is just a big, it's just disaster on top of disaster on top of disaster. And it's, and, and you know, when Jeff remarked that everything, everything good he scratched at turned bad, my, because I had a completely different mission and was working with different people, it was the exact opposite for me. Everything we touched turned to fucking gold. Every every irrigation project we finished brought prosperity. Every school we built was manned because we coordinated with the provincial government and made sure there were teachers and stuff like that. Every bus we uh, we delivered had a plan to get its own fuel so it wouldn't sit around. So I was used to seeing things turn to gold. And that's why I might be a, just a little bit more of a partisan for the Afghan than your average American. But I'm this is this is heartbreaking. Yeah, the economic news is is awful. Uh, let me just uh, I'll read you a couple quotes. Afghan Afghanistan watchers and financial experts said it is the latest sign that without further intervention from the international community, the country's economy could suffer even more than it has in the recent recent weeks. Shortly after President Ghani's government fell on August fifteenth, trading in the Afghani, the country's currency slumped, falling almost eight percent against the U.S. dollar, but since August 17th, the local currency has been relatively stable, probably because it has been practically frozen, and it is now nearly impossible to move money in or out of the country. With government employees not being paid and the banks not open, everyday commerce is hard. Quote, nothing is happening. No exchange is happening. People have cash there, and they are holding on to it. On Tuesday, the World Bank said it had paused disbursements giving money for aid and development projects to Afghanistan over instability concerns there. Quote, we are deeply concerned about the situation in Afghanistan and the impact on the country's development prospects, especially for women, World Bank spokesman Marcella Sanchez Bender said in a statement. Um, the Afghan economy is almost entirely cash-based. Just 10% of the people are believed to have bank accounts. Furthermore, that's that's amazing, right? Furthermore, the economy is largely driven, is largely been propped up by foreign aid, according to the World Bank. Recent uncertainties regarding the extent and duration of the international security support and the outcome of any potential peace agreement with the Taliban have further sapped confidence, leading to reductions in investments and transfers of capital to Afghanistan, which read, right, that this the economy largely propped up by foreign aid Foreign government stopped doing that, which means those people that have hoarded cash, as Tim talked about, which is what they do, right, um, are now in a, in a position where they're going into the mattress, right, to, to, to buy their food, right, and, and that's not a good thing. Um, since the fall of Kabul two weeks ago, it's been extremely difficult to get money in and out of the country. Um, Tim just talked about this. Two companies to which people commonly send money, Western Union and MoneyGram, have halted transactions. I mean, think about that. And so, so I want—I just want to ask. So, Jeff, Tim, the the economic problem that the Taliban inherit—if they don't solve that in relatively short order—does that give further fuel, right, to the regional alliances that have historically existed in Afghanistan, which takes the nation back towards we would call it civil war, but 
what we would have called it a few months ago is returning back to Afghanistan as it normally is. Your thoughts well, it on wasn't, yeah, it wasn't you're... like that before the seventies, from the late nineteen twenties till the nineteen seventies. There was no war in Afghanistan. I mean, there was killing and stuff between this family and that family. But uh, this bullshit about Afghanistan is constantly at war forever. It's just not so. However, however, the reason why the king was able to do so well, he had a really light hand, almost no taxation. Hence, that's why Afghanistan is such a poor country. I mean, we flew in there and stuff in, in, in the early, like during the mid-70s, you know, it was uh, primitive. And, uh, so, so, so hold on, hold on. Let me let me ask you to footnote that. So, so this so weak central government, right? Right. And so, and 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 no real national. They don't see themselves as yeah, one Afghan no, nation, right? So, Jeff sees himself as, or Max sees himself as a guy from Sacramento, right? Yeah. And then somebody says, "Are you American?" I'm like, well, not really. I mean, I'm. I'm, I'm it's a self-evident truth. The reason Afghanistan government collapsed because nobody gives a shit about right. Afghanistan as a government, and it, not even us, because uh, we tolerate all those thieves like Hamid Karzai, and uh, you know, and uh, and Hamid Karzai is really no different than Babrak Kamal, the guy who was uh, the the president for, when the Russians were there, or the guy before him, or the guy Najibullah who got castrated and strung up in '93, you know. He's really no different. They, they get in there, they rob the government. They take taxes in, they keep most of it, and the, and the uh, what they do eke out. They they cheat their soldiers, they cheat their police, they cheat the civil servants. So there's no loyalty, and so they collapse. Okay. And, and so uh, when, when, it loyalty, when it collapses, so here's my question: When it collapses, what does it go back to? Just it goes back to regional regional strength. Got it. So like Karzai, he made sure that his He's a, you know, I mean, he's a Durrani, I think, from down there in Kandahar. He made sure his brother had all the good dope deals. He's the biggest dope dealer in the world. You know, he he took care of himself. He's a little palatial place there in Kabul. And, uh, you know, and the same thing. And Ghani is somewhere else because he did the same thing. He robbed robbed the hell out of the government. You're going to see, um, you're going to see, just like you got in the Panjshir Valley, those Panjshiris and a couple of those districts in Baglan province and other places heavily ethnic Hazara, they're going to protect themselves and they're going to look out for their own interests. Right. And uh, the Taliban is going to try and make Afghanistan, a, they're like us in that they both want Afghanistan to be Afghanistan. We both do. We do with our stupidity and they do with their fanaticism. And neither of them worked. And this won't work either because they won't be able to, like you said, they don't have the mass. They don't have the fucking people you know, to in, to inflict the type of totalitarian shit they're trying to they're going to try and turn Afghanistan into like a East Germany type thing where there's a cop everywhere. And, and when you go outside your house, like, where are you going? You know, you can't go there. You know, that's why it's going to be difficult to get a lot of people out who are hiding in apartments and stuff in Kabul, because how the hell are they going to get out of there? There's cops everywhere. So Calvin, they, they got to have choices. They don't have enough people to do that. So and when that when it's perceived by a lot of people that they don't have the ability to do that, there's going to be fighting, resistance, and all that stuff. And again, and so um, they don't go to, they're not, as Jeff said earlier, they're not constantly at war, right? Because, right, as they've evolved, there's regional powers that maintain order, and they run their own shows. 
And so to me, what you're going to see is, right, uh, economically they'll struggle, which will then people will say, holy shit, here we go again. And then in terms of, you know, military power, they don't have the ass to, to, to be heavy handed. There's always going to be gaps. And in those gaps, you're going to see the regional powers assert themselves again, which puts them on the road either to have what they've historically had is weak central government. The Taliban will be strong where they'll be strong. And then the regional leaders will lead. And the Taliban say, we're okay with that. Or if they'd say, we're not okay with that, then you're going to have more fighting. Okay, the thing, the other thing, you can't discount or, or downplay the, the factor that you mentioned about the fact that the last 20 years, these population centers where there are educational facilities and so forth, they're used to a Western-style uh, environment where they have a lot of personal freedom uh, and, uh, you know, they're able to, to do exercise that freedom in a way that's really no different from people in Munich or people in, uh, you know, in, uh, in Virginia. So the uh, – except for the fact there's a war on the outskirts of town. Now they're going to have a West East German 1980s type – 1970s and 80s type atmosphere where there's a – there's a Taliban guy saying, "Who are you? Where are you? Where are you going? You can't go back to your house. You're not allowed out. Are you going to work? Okay, that's all you do. You go to work. You know, and there's no. Well, we're going to go on a little trip to see our relatives over in Baglan Province from Kabul. No, you're not. Go home. You know, they're not going to be used to that type of uh, that type of uh, you know oppression. I, I I'm curious what you all think because to me it's 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 stunning given what else is going on in the country that. You see these stories that the Taliban are telling farmers, yeah, we're done. We're out of the opium business. Um, how is that going to work? How does, the, how, does, how does the rural economy, especially in Helmand, I mean, that's the only thing they grew down there for God's sakes, right? Um, I mean, they, they grew other things. But, I mean, opium was the crop. Right. It grows like yeah, a, it grow, yeah, it grows like a weed. It throws off money like nothing. Um, Anywhere they grow it, it's hard to deal with. Yeah. So what? What is? Why would? Why would they do that now? And what is its impact? Because the farmer wasn't making that much money off the opium. He was getting paid okay. What was attractive to the farmers in the Helmand was it's a lazy man's crop. You throw it in, and you don't have to worry about weeding it too much or tending to it that often because it grows like a weed. But they weren't making it. The guys making a killing are the people processing and moving the stuff. The, the 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 point of origin and the point and the end point, the junkie and the grower, they're the two poorest people in that value chain. So it's not going to be that hard on on the farmers per se. But when you start talking about growing saffron, that's fucking hard to do. When you start talking about uh, some of these other other vegetables and and, and uh, produce, they're not easy to grow, and so that's going to be the problem right there. Is 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 the the poppy was just too damn easy. Yeah, Taliban's just going to say we're going to make we're going to process and we're going to make heroin out of uh, out of poppies and sell it to those apostates in the West. So it's not even a sin. You know, you look at it that way for them. Well, they, they could, but they're not. They seem to be wanting to be all religious they're about science, it, which is good. I, I don't believe them. I don't believe them. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that could be You're right. Now, now, the thing is, though, with this population being uh, um, uh, as young as it is and whatnot, I still come back to the fact that the population is also armed and they're well-educated. 
the, the obviously the Afghans I was dealing with in Jalalabad and, and Kabul and whatnot, most of them were university graduates. I had I had project managers that were Afghans. They were very, very good. The average Taliban fighters, madrasa born, madrasa raised, he may know the Quran very well, but he doesn't know shit from China about anything else. And the Afghan population right now is uh, knows a hell of a lot about a lot of things and are not going to tolerate, I, I don't believe for long, the heavy hand from a bunch of functionally illiterate, what they would consider hillbillies, coming in and trying to dictate terms to them while they are armed. Because again, until they go around stripping weapons from the population, they've got issues. The Afghans right. are very uncooperative peoples, if you haven't noticed. Not a you know, and that's and that's really their strong point. It's not they're a warrior society. If they were a warrior society, they would be able to shoot better and actually uh, uh, fight a little bit better. Thank God they were a little. I mean, they're fierce enough, and we certainly trained them well after 20 years. But they were they've got no proficiency in the small unit uh, ag aggressive military tactics. Yeah, we never could get them to get to get their hands around indirect fire. As soon as someone was good at doing indirect fire, he went UA. God, no, he probably ends up in the Taliban. Yeah, Money, yeah, you know? yeah, the fireman. Well, hey, so, hey, so, he, he, he now had a marketable skill. He was going to go sell it to the highest yeah. bidder. Come on, it's Afghanistan. I think I, I can't get past the fact that you've got the Northern Alliance and others talking to the Taliban, trying to work out some kind of deal. It is possible, although it requires immense amounts of optimism, Um. <laughs> and I'm hopeless but optimistic about Afghanistan, but perhaps things will settle down and turn out in an acceptable manner, and they will try to become a, a decent, viable country. Hard to imagine, but it's possible, you know. The guys who know the indirect fire in Afghanistan, either they went to work for the Taliban or they learned that trigonometry. It opened new vistas for them. So now the guy's got a the, – the last – Captain who had to do or Turan you know to do indirect fire. He he's got kick-ass kebabs in Schenectady, New York. Could could well be, and that's another good he's point. Taking money be good at doing good indirect fire, or even being a good sniper, that requires advanced mathematic skills that you can apply then and there. It's it's the math is hard. Everybody thinks being a grunt is easy, but it's not. Let's Unless talk about know. let's talk about the next uh, twenty four. Let's talk about j just the next twenty four hours. So it is um, it is uh, what are they eleven and a half hours ahead of us? Yeah. All right. So it's where you are in the U.S. But yeah. Right. So it is from the west coast of the United States. Um, it is uh, what twenty is seven seven thirty seven seven thirty seven at uh, Afghan time. Uh, so from tonight in Afghanistan to tomorrow night in Afghanistan, which would be the night of the 30th, uh, what's going on? What do you expect to see, Jeff? I expect to see um, more and more uh, security guys and, uh, and facilitators for the NEO to get evacuated in bigger numbers than, any, than anybody they're taking out. I don't think they're going to be taking very many um, people coming in through the gate anymore i think that spigot is is being turned off if it isn't off already got it got it um tim what do you expect to see yeah I, I i'm with jeff i expect when the sun comes up all that you've got left is the is the security force they're going to pull out that night maybe a few more cats and dogs but essentially you got to be stripped down to that level um because the last flight out is probably 12 hours away 
Yeah, I, 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 I would agree with both Tim and Jeff. And I, I would also expect to see more indirect fire um, right. um, from, from the neighborhoods surrounding. Um, and so, uh, uh, but, but you know, what that takes, though, to be able to set mortars up or rockets up um, is people that will look the other way. And yeah. I'm not sure if I would be doing that if I was an Afghan. I think I'd report them to the Taliban. Yeah. There's guys here. Because, yeah. I mean, because, you know, one of the things that happens, you know, they're going to go find where it got shot. And they're going to look at around, around at the people that own the homes around there and say, why did you call us? And then yeah. you're, liable to get, you're liable to get shot right there. So You shut, phone, you shut the cell phone tower down. Right. And so <laughs> I am. Um, so, I mean, to me. You got to find a, you got to find a safe place to do this, but that to me is is what I would expect to see more. Um, and if the story that the AP just put out here in the last uh, hour, in the last forty five minutes, is true, in that you know we're listening, we're on it, and you know we just whacked a suicide an SVB IED, um, you know, good on them. I mean, that's head in the game shit. And uh, and then, you know, and, and then and protecting the force. And so I would think that, you know, uh, HKIA is pretty well buttoned up. Um, those ECPs maybe down to one. And, the, and, and that one, you have to have American, uh, you have to have an American visa. And so you, you, they're not going to have the opportunity uh, at a gate to do what happened, you know, last Thursday. And so, uh, but I would expect to see more indirect fire. Um, and then I, and then after that, I would, I think, right. A lot of this occurs under the, um, under in, in the darkness. And I would expect a, a lot of activity tonight, uh, out of, uh, HKIA, which would get, you know, just about everybody, but the last security elements that are going to be there. And then, uh, I would think tomorrow night, um, under the cover of darkness, you were going to see, you know, the rotor ring, uh, the, the the rotors that can be aerial refueled will move in yeah. there along with that large um, air package that will sit over HKIA while you know the last security elements hop on those things and then and then they'll boom out and I again the opportunity that um, ISIS K had I think is gone and the difficulty factor for them to to inflict casualties has gone up. And so uh, keep our fingers crossed, knock on wood, that they don't, you know. But that what they've been, you know, historically very good at is finding a way to get to us that we don't anticipate. Um, but that's going to have to include somehow or other getting inside the airport or having a weapon that we don't anticipate them having to do some kind of major damage. So um, we've all learned these lessons the hard way. So uh, hopefully it goes according to plan, but uh, uh, we'll see. Final thought? Timmy? I, I sincerely hope that uh, when the sun rises on Kapul Airport today, all we're doing is bringing in C-5s and loading up Apache helicopters and other expensive, expensive weapon systems rather than leave them behind because you can't fly the Apaches out. They don't have a uh, they can't refuel anywhere near. So I hope that's that's what's going to happen. There's also a considerable amount of news about all these unvetted people, unvetted Afghans arriving and that's a particularly bitter pill to swallow for those of us that had valid and approved P2 and SIV applicants waiting outside that gate. 
They're right. waiting outside that gate. There's a constant flow of people like the soccer star from Harad and the all-girls uh, robotics team from Kabul. Baba. All these people are getting out, but the people that put their friggin' skin in the game with us were left behind. And I'm and and that that is infuriating to me. All right, boys. Um, thanks for the visit this morning, and uh, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow morning. And we'll keep our fingers crossed that uh, that uh, you know that things go well at the airport. And uh, also, I mean, I, you know, this I think for uh, everybody that would listen to this, it goes without saying. But obviously, those caskets come back to American soil this morning. Uh, they're at Dover Air Force Base, I think, right now. And and, yeah. and and that whole process of uh, those caskets, um, you know, going through what they do at Dover in, ter- in terms of preparing remains for uh, for internment, for burial. And then, you know, the casualty assistance officers, the work they're doing, along with the escorts of, of, of the caskets that will pick those caskets up and take them to wherever they're they're going to be buried. That process is ongoing. And. And, you know, that's just brutal shit. So um, don't be afraid to reach out to people. Don't be afraid to reach out to, you know, Afghan veterans that are that are really struggling. And I saw I saw Dakota Myers on TV a little bit ago. And, you know, the anger, you know, the anger is palpable, you know, as, as people that have, have fought in Afghanistan, seen friends get killed in Afghanistan, watch Afghanistan, you know, be taken over by, you know, the Taliban. And, uh, and, and, yeah. and so just don't be afraid to say hi to people. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't talk about Lieutenant Colonel, uh, Scheller. And so let me ask you guys a couple questions as, as we kind of wind this thing down. Is there any doubt that he should have lost his job, Jeff? No, I don't think there's any other way he could have got his point across except for the way he did it. And, and I think, you know, he uh, he also needed to be fired. Got it. But, uh, well, okay, hold on. Let me just let Timmy Because of the twisted situation we're in now, you know, um, he had no other channel that would be effective. All right. Well, like he could well, just well, come well, up well, privately and say, hey, I want to know why the chairman, you know, dear commandant, I want to know why. He would have just got shut down. Nothing would have happened. The only way he could have done it is this. And the only way he could – and the only thing the, that the – the organization could do would was to relieve him. Hope to God they stop there with this guy, and uh, that he's not allowed to. He's allowed to at least complete, you know, uh, you know, uh, a career that uh, you know he can he can get something for him and his family out of because, you know, it's almost like, you know, Jesus. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, 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 let me let Timmy comment, and then we'll kind of we'll kind of beat this up. Timmy, okay. um, any Marine Corps have any other recourse other than to fire him? No, he no, and he knew that the second he made that video. That's that's not a mystery to anybody. That's that's yeah. that was going to happen. Right. That yeah. Right. Okay. The um, let me ask you this. Um, I think the sentiment that that people are so um sympathetic to is the frustration that he demonstrates um in his comments, in the way he says what he says, um, and and what Jeff just said. The, and I would say the system's broken. They're not listening. We just, with the benefit of all having grown up with the with the lessons of Vietnam, we just had leaders that replicated Vietnam. And so to to watch to watch this happen, 
and then to know that you're not going to get any great answer, um, I, I, again, he's not supposed to do this, but the system's broken, and we've got to find a way to create leaders in this country that, that, that believe their first obligation is to tell the truth to the American people, to Congress, to the president. And, and they all say that bullshit, speak truth to power. But they, but, but we don't. We tend not to do it at the general officer level, and and the nation's got to find a way to select people that will tell the truth, even even if it's bad, bad, bad news, and then ultimately are willing to say, "I will not do that." And and I don't know. That's a really hard thing to do to create that system, because everything in the system forces them the other way. And then yeah. and then we hear what we always hear, which is, "I'm better off working from the inside." And then, and then the other thing I want to throw into this thing, and then you guys can react, is the thing you always hear is that if it's not immoral, unethical, or illegal, I'm duty bound. Well, I think there should be some a comma and then some other phrase or word behind that, because we just reenacted Vietnam, and 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 we reenacted it escorted there by the flag and general officers of the American military, none of whom resigned, all of whom took us there. And and this can never happen again. And I don't know, you know, I've thought about this a lot because we've talked about this a lot. What are the things we have to do? Do we have to change the fitness report, you know, that everybody gets? And the first thing is, will this person tell the truth to the detriment of their own career? Yes or no, right? Mm. And and, and the people that get, get, get no checked on that, they will not compromise, da-da-da, you're done. Go away. We don't need you anymore because we need people that will tell the truth. I don't know how, how do we fix the system, though. And that's the system that he's reacting to. And that's why there's so much sympathy to, to, to what he said. But I think we all agree. Make no mistake. He does that in uniform, on active duty. You're fucking done. End of story. Period. And hopefully, you know, now here's, here's what I would tell you. If he, if he goes about his job, you know, he'll be allowed to retire. If he continues to do this, though, and the pressure on him from every news organization in the free world to come on and, and, and do an interview is going to be huge. Yeah. But and if yeah, he and yeah. if he continues to go down that road, he won't retire, right? He'll be well, charged and he'll be and he'll be found guilty at a court martial, and 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 he'll 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 he won't retire. He just needs to say, "I have nothing to add to my remarks." Right. Yeah, and the the other thing is you've got. You've got flag officers that are reacting to this, saying that this is inappropriate to conduct yourself this way to, uh, uh, when referencing command, national command authority. Yet they did exactly that, that with the last administration. So it's it, he's in a position to hoist those flag officers on their own petard. Oh, I, and and that's just another more of the delicious aspects well, of this. Although, be, yeah, th- he can't even do that. I don't think Tim right. and survive. So it needs to be. People who are who are in his corner, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. The whole yeah. discussion has come has has been profoundly changed by this guy doing this, I believe. And I he, hope he's quiet from this. He actually had something to lose, and he willingly yeah. lost it. You know. Yeah. Now, and I just I just hope that he remains quiet and gets out at twenty, if that's what he wants to do. If not, I think he's got a hell of a hell of a following uh, politically to pick a state. 
<laughs> well, that was think, a very ballsy move. That was a no, and, and again, a brave man. everybody believes in what he says. Even the people, yeah. even the people that like us that say, no, no, he's got to be fired. But let me tell you, yeah. he's absolutely fucking right, right? And oh, where yeah. is the answers? And then, and like I said, I just saw Dakota Meyer, you know, on uh, on the news this morning, and he clicked off save. He's calling out the commandant by name, right? He's calling mm-hmm. out the sergeant major of the Marine Corps by name. Saying, yeah. where were you when these guys get put in this? When when these, you know, these guys and girls at the airport get put in this shit sandwich? Where are you? Yep. And, I mean, he's like us. He's off active duty, so he can. You, know, you um, bet. But that's if the sergeant major of the Marine Corps did that. What Meyer did, that'd be something else, right? I know, but that's that's what Lieutenant Colonel Schiller has animated, right? Yeah, that Hell of a vo- voice. Right, that yep. so many people feel, right, um, and and now you're watching this, you're watching this take place, and and the and the I don't even know what's the right word. It's not a punch in the gut. It's a, it's a it's a bludgeoning of your heart with the loss of these 13 Americans, right, and all those Afghan civilians that were just trying to get the fuck out of that place, right. That is that is like having your heart bludgeoned, and. And then he says this, and there's this explosion of, uh, you know, and he uses the word, you know, Jeff and I talked about this yesterday, but he uses the word contempt in, in his, mm-hmm. that that's what he feels is contempt. And so I, I hope that there's some kind of hearings about this, right? And that how, how, do we, gonna, how do we fix it? And I think if, besides the hearings, you're going to hear somebody else come up here pretty soon and say, we don't have a race problem. We don't have a, a white supremacist minority problem in the service. We got the problem that Lieutenant Colonel, you know, um, uh, the, the Lieutenant Colonel brought up Schiller. from SOI. Scheller, yeah, that's the problem we got. That's from, all I got to say. From SOI, from SOI East. From SOI East, <laughs> not West, where the Hmong and the Untermension are. No, out at SOI East. No, but uh, so, yeah, I'm kidding there. SOI Westers may be listening to this thing. I love you guys. I love all you guys. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, the so all someone else has to say is we don't have this problem. The, the things that that lieutenant colonel brought up, that's the problem we got. And you know and what? fire everybody who says that. That's the yeah. you know what and that is the truth. That is the yeah. absolute truth. I would tell you the major problem inside the Department of Defense is that you know we have general officers who flinch, right? And yeah. at at that level where and and I would say in their defense when these things get to them there is no good solution. If there was a good solution, a major, a lieutenant colonel, a captain would have implemented it already. By the time it gets to them, they're really difficult problems with no solutions. But in the midst of that, you got to stand up and you got to do the right thing. And we just reenacted Vietnam, and that's the wrong thing, especially those of us who studied those things. Yeah. And, and there should have been people there to say the expansion of the ground war means our involvement there for 100 years. Everybody on board with this. Are the American people on board with it? Have we prepared them for this? Right. Right. Yep. Or, you know, when we got ready to unass Afghanistan, hey, for a few billion dollars a year and maybe three to five thousand, you know, Americans there to train and fly drones to do some air support. We could keep mm-hmm. the government in business in the major cities. We could keep the army afloat and we'll have a strategic presence there. Right. That, and now that's important because we're losing all of that. 
So we could have kept that afloat for a few billion a year, right? And there's going to be guys that say, yeah, absolutely we could have. And you're just going, you're cringing going, God almighty, man. So what? It, so we got the fuck out of there completely as a result to, in order to fulfill somebody's campaign promise? Fuck. Fuck, and, fuck, fuck. And, and what truly was upset about was what we were upset about when, when they announced the closing of Bagram. And I was in, 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 in I, I know I was insistent that you cannot use Kabul, but we tried to use Kabul. And that forced us into this interface area where every time you open the door to confront 200,000 Afghans, you've got 30, 40 Marines in a scrum busting out to try to get their people in. That was the, what did not have to happen. That was inexcusable. And, and McKenzie can say all he fucking wants to. When he let go of Bagram, that preordained this disaster. And we said that on July 1st. Go back and listen yeah. to the podcast. What happened to Flash of the Kingfisher. Remember that's the article yeah. you way way back in the. I remember that. I Flash. remember that very well. That was a it's a classic. It sure. Yeah. yeah, that's what got him noticed. Flash of the right. Kingfisher. Well, the Flash has gone out of the Kingfisher apparently. <laughs> that was a good article though, man. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, there's an article. There's an article that I'm going to post, um, and it's written in the Wall Street Journal, and. Uh, it came out on the 27th. It's by the all. Uh, it's by the Wall Street Journal editorial board. All right, so that's that's a lot of juice from the Wall Street Journal headline: Who abandoned Bagram Air Base? Biden says the military, but the military says he gave them little choice. Mm. And so let me read you a little bit of it. Biden said on Thursday, essentially blaming his generals for the Bagram pullout. Quote: They concluded the military that Bagram was not much added value added and that it was much wiser to focus on Kabul. And so I followed that recommendation. What Mr. Biden neglected to mention is that the president sets the constraints under which the military draws up plans and evaluates options. At a briefing last week, General Mark Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, said that securing Bagram took a significant level of military effort and that our task to us at the time, our task was to protect the embassy in order for the embassy personnel to continue to function. We had to collapse one or the other given the force cap that was put on them, is what is implied. When that decision was made, which was long before the Afghan government fell, the military thought using Kabul airport did not entail substantial, substantially higher risk. That option was Judge General Milley said to be the better tactical solution in accordance with the mission set we were given and in accordance with getting the troops down to 600 to 700 number. So you can see how Bagram was given up, you know, uh, and again, before the Afghan government fell, you know, thinking that uh, that we would do this, this neo under the protection of the Afghan Amsterdam. National Army, Amsterdam. right, yeah. right, and so and so and so. Then, when that situation changes, do we reconvene and say, "Hey, we need Bagram back again"? Well, that's going to mm-hmm. take us a division to do. Do we have Do we have the time? Do we have the capacity to do that? Blah 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 blah. And I don't know. Judging by the events, either that OPT was not convened, or we just said. No, we're doing it out of H. Kaya. 
Yeah. General Allen, writing from the head of the Brookings Institute, wrote a paper saying just that. We've got to take Bagram back. We've got to do this. It sounded like a, like the a, it sounded loony when I was reading it. I'm like, this is not going to happen. But I do not. I this this choice one or the other. I don't care who says what. When when they gave up Bagram, they gave up their ability to get out of town cleanly, and we saw that at the no, time. No, but but again, Timmy, again, and and so to me, the way you evaluate this decision is what did we know at the time the decision was made? And I don't think that that you can criticize that decision because nobody anticipates that the entire Afghan military is going to collapse in a matter of weeks. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. So I think... Not knowing that. Right. Not knowing that's their fault, too. Right. supposed to be brothers. Well, again... They could have not fallen. They could have tried to do this with Afghan security, and I would have been just as livid now as I was Well, let me. But but let me tell you this. So to me... Without Bagram, you're fucked. To me, when you look at this decision about Bagram, and, and I think we talked about this a little bit, and 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 you're you're in that OPT and you're talking to your intel guys because the president said that it was thought that the nation might fall, but it wouldn't be till later on this winter, right? So if that's out there, right? And you know, intel specialist Kenny stands up and says, there are those of us who do believe that there is a possibility for this thing to flip very quickly. Well. Specialist. How many of you? Yeah, well, yes. Well, specialist Kenny, you know, how how do you expect that? Well, given this, this, and this, we believe that there's a possibility there will be rampant deal-making and that this thing could be done, right, in a, in a month, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. A month. Right. So then when I hear that, and it, it seems like that was out there, right, um, because the intel people have floated that it was out there, then to me – you have a responsibility to keep Bagram open. Well, then we can't really get everybody out of Bagram. We're going to have to leave a security, a remain behind security element, and 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 to see what happens here in the next month. Well, I have to tell well, you, well, hold on. all the families, all the ANAs, the the CG's families left. That's kind of an indicator. Nobody's no, family is no. Afghanistan anymore. You know, no, hold on, but, Jeff. But, they're all gone. So it's like. We're, then when, when we heard, when we heard that Bagram was given away at the, in a, that dead of night bullshit job that they pulled, me and Jeff on July first revised our update about the, where how this was going to end to the yeah. Taliban is going to take it all. Remember that? They because of the way that they did, they abandoned Bagram. Wasn't that they just abandoned it, but they slipped out at night and didn't tell anybody. Well, I think. The, the I think here was Remember? a question. Here and I should and, go back, and that's what set the precondition for this. I should go back and find that audio. But here's the question that I asked you both: Do you think because we what what we had been talking about was the Afghan the, the Taliban will no doubt take over the rural parts of Afghanistan where they're the strongest, right? Where you know Timmy's talked about their adjudication of land disputes and how everybody respects that. Blah 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 blah. So the question was: Would they take over the major urban centers, right? Herat, Jabad. Right, Kandahar, Kabul, the major cities there, right? And so we were having a a discussion yeah, so. about that, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and so I got to go back and listen. I think yeah. we we mod- remember. I remember modifying our prediction, but I don't think either one of us saw this. Well, I mean, no, saw no, this. but I, I, I yeah. do believe Jeff said Kandahar is already gone. Yeah. I said that. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, somebody said that. And so then it was going to be, okay, so what happens in Kabul, what happens in Jabad, and right. what happens right. in Herat? Okay. And so, right. so to me, if you go inside that OPT and, you know, and so you have to know what, what intelligence was presented. And if it was any, if it was even a 10% chance that this could happen, somebody quantify it for me. How do we see it? Right. Well, the majority of us see it. It's it, that it will pro if it falls, it will probably fall before December. Right. And 25% see us happening of us see it much sooner. You know, then I don't know how you, if, if you could quantify that in some way, shape or form, then you say, well, we can't give up Bagram. Now, I, I, I would tell I would tend to believe that, you know, McKenzie's not stupid. They're smart guys. So whatever whoever in expressed that in the intelligence community it wasn't a widely felt sentiment it was nuanced and they made the decision you know and it might have been driven by the force cap that was coming from the the civilian leadership in the dod and at the white house yeah none of them are stupid they're all smart right they just were wrong and you know they didn't maintain contact meaningful contact with the senior leadership in the ana otherwise they would have known it was coming you know, they would have they didn't do that. I mean, it's evidence and the indicators like the way they left Bagram. They just fucking left. And so they don't know that the Afghan, you know, senior uh, staff there, they sent all their people, all their families to Dubai and other places like that. They're there waiting to go. You know, as soon as it's, it's feasible, they'll steal as much as they can. And they're gone, just like the president. Johnny. I still think the way that we left Bagram contributed to this sudden yes. collapse of the entire yeah. thing. So you, you couldn't see it beforehand because you thought you were going to turn it over in an honorable, upright, straight up fashion. But we don't. We sneak out at night and like we're all cool and clever and just leave behind a mess for the Afghans at the gate to figure out to clean up after the looters arrive. Now, you'll never be able to justify the Bagram decision. I don't give a fuck who you are. That was stupid. And we said so at the time. And we're at well, what what we wondered, right, what we wondered at the time, and we didn't know McKenzie's analysis and all that, was if you have to do a NEO, and I think my question to you guys is, because I'd never been to the airport, every time I flew in and out, I flew through Kandahar, right, coming and going from Kuwait, right. and then we flew out of Manas, so we, we went a different direction when we entered the country and then exited Um for good. And, but my question was, having never been there, could you run? The question I asked you to was, could you run the NEO out of the international airport? Right. In the, and I said, right in the middle of the city. And mm -hmm. and and then that's what we were discussing right. relative that's to right. Bag, relative to Bagram. But and I said, don't you need Bagram? And so, you know, the thing about it is it's unique in Afghanistan that it was a military decision on how to do it, because in most NEOs. It's a totally State Department. And, and even so, in Afghanistan, the State Department has a huge say, particularly with, with the small footprint that we had in there relative to our big footprint, you know, earlier. So, you know, the, uh, yeah, there are uh, that the decisions that are being made there are being made by people who have no appreciation for, you know, large scale logistics, for moving people. They're diplomats and they don't know shit and they don't care, you know. And every NEO, like the NEO Will was involved in, the NEO I was involved in, the NEO in Vietnam are because of stubbornness of the State Department to do the right thing earlier. Most NEOs happen, they tell the American citizens, go to the fucking airport, get on these charter jets, and get the fuck out of here. 
And when they don't do that because the State Department thinks, wow, if I lose this, it'll hurt my career. If I if if uh, you know we abandon this country, then uh, they hang in there and hang in there. And pretty soon, you got to go pull their asses out. Right, right. All right, all right. With all that said, I'm not going to ask for a final comment. Um, Good. Because <laughs> we just had like three of them. Um, but we did not talk about Lieutenant Colonel Scheller, and I thought that was important. And then uh, I'm, did. I mean, must be losing my mind. I thought we did talk about it. No, no, we, no, we did. And but I, we didn't talk about it before. And uh, and then I wanted to do that and just to get your reaction because you know you, you're seeing a lot of you know people, um, you know, and I I have a friend, you know, he's, he's you know he's a former Marine, and he told me my wife is absolutely rip shit at me because I said the guy should be fired. And I said, what? And, he, and she goes, oh, and he said, yeah. It's like, I don't even want to have the discussion with her anymore. Because she's yeah. just indignant. No, my wife's the same way. He's my just, wife's the same way. Right. She just, he said, she's absolutely indignant that this guy who's telling the truth is going to be fired. And, yeah. and I said. Well, he should be fired, but he should be promoted to colonel. <laughs> before, <laughs> before he's fired. But and no. Says, you, know, you, you know whoever the guy was that pulled the trigger on that agreed with him. We know that. Because yeah. that's not the point. The point wasn't that, well, I don't agree with this. I'm fine. You know, the thing was, you know what you did. you got to go now. It's that's right. He knew what was going to happen. No, I, and, and you know, you know what that... they should do. They should fire him and then promote a colonel and send him up to that fucking lash up that Will was in. You know, the, up there by the, uh, the, 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 the guys who advised the commandant on shit yeah. they don't know anything about. You know, all those. No, I can't no. remember the no. name of well, was it well let me tell you, close. I'll go out on a limb and say that probably ain't going to happen. All right? <laughs> that probably is not going to happen. No, I mean uh, – and, and, I hope they let him retire, though. He's a good well, man. That well, I'll tell you what, though. He will – in my opinion, as these things go, he will decide that. If he wants to continue to comment on this in a public way as a commissioned officer, United States Marine Corps, on active duty, and he wants to make what people are going to say, those are political comments, he has no pl- – then – then he will not be allowed to retire. He'll be shown the door, um, right? And and then he'll right. go and then he'll go do other things. So, in my opinion, he will define that. But if he just if he goes to ground and he essentially shuts his mouth, finishes time on active duty, he will be allowed to t- retire. I mean, that's. Do you guys disagree with that? No. Yeah. No. Right. No, that's what we do. That's how we always have been. Right. 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 No, you can fuck it up. You could be relieved. Yeah. That, that yeah, doesn't, yeah. But that's... we're not gonna we're not we're not gonna vind- vindictively. Punch your ass out at 17 years? No. That's go bullshit. To the, go no. to the research center basement. <laughs> exactly. Gonna, right. He's no loser, though. I was going to no, say no. that, too. Right. <laughs> Who is that? Is that a lieutenant colonel driving the lawn, you know, riding mower at the ranges in Quantico? That sure is, right? So we'll find a spot for you. Probably isn't going to be what you want to do, but we'll find a spot for you so you can, you know, we're not going to show you the door because people do fuck it up. And well, in the old days, you made you an advisor to the Afghans, but that's no longer. They could put him out of weapons training battalion when Will had it. What's what's weapons training battalion famous for? I don't know. We sure. cutting grass, man. It's about all they do on those thousand. No, those are ranges. yeah, those are big ranges. Right, but though. but no, I mean, to me, he will decide that. They did it Naval Academy way. Yeah, and there, and there's, but again, there's so many people that that are so indignant, and then the Marine Corps fired him. Well, what the fuck did you think they were going to do? Right. Yeah, that was, yeah that's yeah, not. Look, we follow orders. Civilians at the end of the day run these things. We take orders. But again, right. We all believe his sentiment. He's right. 
and the systems Absolutely. the systems broken and at some point we need to hear from the people that ran this event Afghanistan for the last 20 years and we need to understand how it happened why this surprised us and why we didn't know the truth was it ignorance or was it willful careerism what was it so we can fix it so it never happens again never yeah. happens again and so that's why that's why people are ripshit about it all right man have a great day we'll talk to you tomorrow morning and, and keep up right. the keep up the mediocre work <laughs> will do have a great day right. bye bye That'll do it on a Sunday. Uh, my thanks to Tim and Jeff for uh, coming on today. Uh, we'll be back, obviously, tomorrow. So, again, uh, as, those, as those caskets come back to uh, Dover Air Force Base and To the nation that um, these Marines, a sailor, a soldier, fought so bravely for, uh, keep their families in your prayers. I'm Mike McNamara, this is All Marine Radio. Uh, have a good Sunday. Keep everybody else who's at that airport, uh, not only Americans, but the Afghans that have tried so hard to get out of there and, uh, and face an unknown future. Uh, Keep them in your thoughts and prayers as well. We'll see you tomorrow. I'm out.